Hey, good people. This is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, I have on the brain as a starting point to this reflection, authenticity and harmony, authenticity and harmony. And um, as I explored the thought before hitting the record button I'm thinking oh I have two stories there are two stories in which this concept um, is derived and but then as I was hitting the record button I thought of a third consideration so there are three things that I want to talk about as relating to authenticity and harmony doesn't mean I'm going to talk about them because you know when I get to talking, I follow the rabbit holes. <laughs> I allow my mind to do what it's going to do. And um, so I don't know if I'm going to cover those three things. But there are three things in my brain right now related to authenticity and harmony. And I'd love to spend some time unpacking that and see where it takes me or see where it takes us. Um, Okay, there's a little bit of background noise. I got the air going on in the house, so I don't know if you guys are picking it up. But just wanted to kind of give you the heads up on that. Let me do my disclaimers. And we're under two minutes. Check me out. Uh, so if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I am a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years. Half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets um, associated, excuse me, with critical race feminism, and which for me is just saying I have a intellectual sensitivity around power as it shows up in social constructs in the social world, constructs such as race, gender, class, sexuality, to name a few. This project is unedited and it is unscripted. To learn more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. <laughs> so, under three minutes, y'all. <laughs> I'm feeling good. Um, so, let me just tell you, um, I said authenticity and harmony. And um, I want to start with the, th- the thing, oh, excuse me, the thing that popped in my head as I was, after I hit the record button. So there were two things that I had on my brain before hitting the record button. And as I was hitting the record button, a third thing popped up. And I want to share that with you. First, it occurred to me um, that authenticity and harmony are two words often associated with Myers-Briggs. Two of the the cognitive functions. Um, So I've heard this framing through... um, the husband and wife team I talk about. And they say that people with FE, extroverted feeling, people with that cognitive function, they're focused more on harmony. And then people who have FI, introverted feeling, 
they're more focused on authenticity. So those are the two feeling functions um, in the Myers-Briggs system. There are two. One is extroverted and one is introverted. So extroverted feeling, F-E, tends to be understood as being harmony-seeking um, or harmony-oriented. And then those with F-I, I'm going to say those of us with F-I would be authenticity-oriented. So I have F-I, introverted feeling. It's third in my stack. And um, I do feel that I, I I feel like I can recognize the tension that I, there is a tension that I experience when I'm with an FE user. Um, I don't think it's a I don't think it is pronounced because FE excuse me FI is lower for me, so usually I'm focused on something else. Um, so if there is a tension there, I'm using my other two functions to navigate that tension. And so usually that tension doesn't stop me from engaging um, with an FE person. It might it might influence me to show up in a particular way. It might influence me to confront um, the tension, but I'm not bothered by it. So that was one thing that came up to, to me that I was like, oh, authenticity and harmony. Interesting, that's directly connects to cognitive function theory. Um, I've also said, and as I move on, I think, and I've, I've seen this somewhere, I don't know who said it, but FI, I have seen FI being understood as harmony as well, but inner harmony. So whereas extroverted feeling is focused on harmony, I didn't say this explicitly, I guess I should say it. It looks at its focus on the outer on, um, harmony in the outer world with other people. With people, I need to say that. That's important. With people. Making sure that we're all like feeling good, being together, connected. Um, and FI is not, FI doesn't prioritize it. Now, one of the things I'm curious about, and I don't study FI a lot, but I do feel that I can, I, I have the ability to sense the room. I don't want to, I want to be fair though and honest. I don't, I don't think I feel it the same way as an, as a person who has feeling in the top of their stack. So I'm assuming that an FI person would be able to feel the room. Like, um, like an extroverted feeling person could. I think the difference is what what do they do with it? So for me, when I am in a position of leadership, if you will, where I have jurisdiction, um, if the I can feel tension in the room, I will work to address it. But I'm working to address it for a particular agenda. And it's typically not simply because I need us all to feel good. So I only, actually, the only time I'm actually working the room is when I am in a leadership position. I, I don't, I need to think more about that. When do I work the room to address any kind of tension that might be in it? And I believe it's only when I'm in a leadership position. 
because I know I need those people on on board to get to the destination. I think aside from that, I don't. And if you're an INTJ um, and you're listening to me, what do you when what do you think about that? Like, are you aware? Are you are you at a place where you can? Because um, I don't think. Excuse me. Let me let me take that question off of you. Let me finish. Let me say this. I don't believe I had that capacity to fill the room until I was responsible for people. I don't think so. Cause I remember when I was running my school and I was just thinking, this is the thing that is going to get me to care. I'll, I'll never forget. I was walking through the cafeteria and I said, this is the thing that's going to get me to care. Um, because I wasn't a mother, I wasn't a parent, and I just, I had been accused of just not caring. I'm like, no, we got things to do. I got things to do. This is not my agenda. Um, being quote unquote, I guess your stereotypical feelingless um, INTJ, which, you know, it's not true, but that's how I function in the world, being not connected to my feelings. And so then this job came along, and then all of a sudden now I am. Um, I am regarding people's feelings for the, for the very first time, and I'm burdened by it because it's like, okay, we got to do something about it. Strictly because I couldn't allow those feelings to, to interfere with the mission, the work that we had to get done, I, and I couldn't dismiss it. Uh, I had enough wherewithal to say those feelings are going to have an impact on our work, and so I, that's that's when I became sensitive to the feelings in the room. Um, I, I saw that showing up again for me when I became an, uh, a grad instructor. And I'm thinking about all the years I was a teacher, a K-12 teacher. And I wonder, did I not feel it or did I have a different relationship with it? So as a teacher of kids, I was able to manage their whole being, their thinking and their emotions through instruction. This is really good. I'm having a breakthrough right now for me. I was able to manage their feeling and their their feelings and their thinking through instruction. With adults though, adults don't allow you to direct them like that through instruction. Mm-mm. It's not so it's not easy. It's not as easy as it is through the, through K twelve. And honestly, another way of saying it, I don't have that relationship with adults. I don't have an instructional relationship with adults. Now, I think, you know, now here's what I'll say. As a, okay, so I've been in leadership, I've been in a formal, like building leadership role several times now. And... Um, and two of those times I was able to use instruction as a form of leadership. So the first time it was, that was how we, I did all my staffing. Like we did a, we, I did some kind of activity at the end of every day with my staff. And then on, um, and then once a month I ran my meetings as an instructional meeting. And so I was able to use instruction that way. But in between those moments, 
I could fill the room and then I would do this other thing. I do like this one-on-one coaching kind of um, strategy. Then when I went to my second building, we had a half a day. We didn't have a monthly PD. We had a half a day. And um, every Friday was half a day. And that half a day, I, I used it as training. So I implemented instruction in that way. Now, this last go-round, I was trying to. But the people above me kept blocking the days in which I could do instruction. It just got to the point where it's like, whatever. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I'm thinking about, first of all, having the opportunity to engage people's feelings through instruction. And then I'm thinking that even in that second place where, um, where I was trying to move, I had the opportunity to do instruction. There still was a great level of resistance. And there was probably resistance the first time I did leadership, but I got savvy um, about that early on. So when I was hiring people, I kind of spelled out, this is a different type of employment structure. This is a different kind of um, teaching position. This is what we do in this building. So they knew coming into the environment that they would have to do they would have to be engaged in kind of some kind of instruction. And that's what happened in the second site. And it would have happened in the third site, that that would have become part of the hiring, the agreement, uh, employment agreement. So I'm saying all of that, um, interestingly, is that I'm thinking about my relationship to feeling the room. I have definitely fallen into a rabbit hole, you guys. But my relationship to feeling the room... Um, has been addressed two ways. Only, excuse me, my, my, my addressing it in two ways through leadership and then as, 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 as an instructional leader. So now that I've talked that through, I want to go back to, do I fill the room when I'm not in leadership? And I don't know if I do. I'm, now that I think about it, I'm like, I can fill the room, but I don't know if I do. Unless, and I'm not even saying formal leadership. It could be an informal leadership role. It could be self-imposed. Like I can feel like I'm responsible for the room. But I don't think even then, I think that's one of the challenges that people have with me is that I don't, I don't act out. I just don't respond to the feelings. I don't respond to it. I don't, I want to say I don't act out some common behaviors of people who what people do when they do fill the room I don't think I do that so that's interesting <laughs> so anyway I said all of that to say yes because I, I, I really do tell people like okay I'm now because I've been in, I'm now more mature as an INTJ and I'm more in touch with my feeling I can feel the room and I really just work through that I think is all only connected to leadership. If you are not, now here's my question to the INTJ. If you are an INTJ, um, what do you think about that idea of feeling the room, feeling the people in the room, um, and is there a pattern of when you do feel, first of all, can you feel the room, and is there a certain condition in which you can feel the room and when you don't? So I'd just be curious about that. But anyway, that's not your homework assignment. That's just me randomly throwing out a question. Um so anyway, that's kind of um, something that just hit me as I hit the start button, feeling this room, feeling the room. And as an authenticity person, 
filling the room. And I think that's important for FI, if we're going to call F, if we're going to keep with this idea or the notion that introverted feeling is about authenticity. Because if you're authentic, if, if, if authenticity is most important to you, what happens when you, when you fill the room, the room is expecting something from you that doesn't feel authentic to you. The, the room is expecting something from you. And in order for you to give in to that, you're going to have to be something that you're not. Or even not as harsh. That sounds a little extreme, right? Okay, so let me back up a little bit. But I wonder if being an authentic person means that I am more focused on me than I am on the room. Maybe as simple as that. The authenticity requires me to be focused on me first, not the room. I don't know. But I'm going to use this as a segue to talk about those other two points that were in my head. The reason why I hit the record button, I wanted to tell you, had an exchange with my single sister last night. And I had a conversation with my new guy friend today. Now, the conversation I had with my guy friend today, now this is all through a voice community, so it's not like he was in the room with me or anything, but over like this voice app. Um, what we were talking about is, we were actually, and I need to look this up. Is it called a modifier? You know what? I'm going to put you guys on hold. I have a question. I want to tell you something first. Hold on one second. Okay, I'm back. Um, <laughs> it, to you, it's just been a second. But for me, it's been almost 10 minutes. So um, I decided to um, go look up two words in terms of what part of speech they were part of. And when I did that, my battery on my computer was dead. So I had to plug it up. When I didn't wait for it to charge, and I was like, oh, I'll put some chicken in the oven. Oh, I need to wash my hands. I have to wash the chicken. <laughs> so I did all of that. Then I looked up to the words and found a couple of websites. Then I got lost in the reading of that, like, oh, this is so good. And then it made me want to go back to my guy friend and continue the conversation with some new information. So let me try to work that out with you all. Let me flesh this out. So the two words that we were contending with in this conversation was the and my, the and my, T-H-E and M-Y. And it came up because he referred to an event, I'm going to call it an event, as the, the event. I'm not saying the event because I want to just respect his privacy, even though you don't know him. I just want to respect it because it was a pretty, it's a pretty specific um, conversation. And just in case I reference him again, I don't want people to be able to connect dots. So he said the event. So my response to him was, why did you say the event and not say my event? Because the type of event that it was, I have a relationship with that event. But because we come from two different religious backgrounds, how that event is experienced is different based on the religions that we are a part of. So when he said the event, he didn't make room for that event event to be different from the way I experienced the event. So then, using the word the, 
denoted authority or um, what I said at the time, universality. Like it, it created a universal nature of the event. And so the, this event is only defined and experienced this one way. So there's only one event. So it wasn't general. If it was general, you would have said uh, an event. But you said the event, which makes it specific. But when you made it specific, that's his specificity. His specificity did not constitute or the way I experienced the event. So his specificity excluded the way I experienced the event. So because we're in this group where we are, we're in this voice community. I've been talking about this. We're in this voice community where um, we are intersecting spirituality with justice work around power. So this is the perfect conversation to have for this group. Perfect. So it was just perfect. So anyway, so we've been going back and forth on it. And as a result, we've been unlayering the words. It's just been really helpful. And um, so when I just went to look up those two words, by the way, they both modify a noun. They're from they're different parts of speech, though. The is actually not a part of speech. It is what's called an article. I don't really understand why that's not a part of speech yet. I should know that, but I'm not a licensed English teacher, but I've taught language arts. But I don't know that. So it's an article. Don't ask me to explain to you an article right now because I cannot. You can go look that up. So it's considered an article. And so what the, what the word the does is it it modifies the noun. It makes it specific. It actually makes it specific and it limits, it limits the understanding to that one treatment, the event, which reinforces my argument when I, my pushback to him when I said, well, why did you call it the event and not my event? Now, to his defense, he didn't want to say my because of his spiritual beliefs. My denotes ownership. And he doesn't feel he owns the event. So then I started talking about how I've, I did a poem for my grandmother when she passed because I noticed that all of us were, um, all of the grandkids referred to her as my granny. So even when we were talking to each other, I could say, um, my granny needs you to go to the store. My granny said, turn the stove off for her. I was talking to my granny the other day. Now we're talking to each other. My granny is your granny, but we don't refer to her as our granny or we don't say granny. We say my granny. That was what we did. So when she passed, I spoke at her funeral and I talked about that, how all of her kids called her my and I went in and I talked about what the word, what the part of speech my was and what it was as a determiner. What is it? It's a determiner, and it, but it also, it modifies the noun. All right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done, you guys. This is exciting to me. <laughs> so I, um, and so I, so I was trying to explain why my would be okay, but he felt that my is ownership. So it is technically considered a possessive adjective. That's the thing, y'all. It's a possessive adjective. However, it also denotes a belonging to. 
And that's how, that's the sentiment of my granny. Not that I own my grandmother, but I belong to her. And in my belonging to her, she's mine. Isn't that an interest? I'm just pausing for now. That's just interesting that I saw both of those. You would think that that would be um, paradoxical. Do you do you own something versus belonging to it? Anyway. Anyway. So, anyway, <laughs> that was the conversation that we had today. And I don't, the idea of, and so we, we've been doing, we, I don't know why that, I can't remember the direct connection, but what we, we've been in this voice community, it'll be, um, it's a, it's officially a week. Well, it's over a week, but like we really delved into this a week ago. Like we really got in the groove of this community a week ago. So let's just say we can have, all right, precision. Um, and one of the things that's happening because we are from different ethnic backgrounds, we're from different religious, we're from different faith backgrounds and we're different, different ethnic backgrounds. So you have two women, one man, two white people, one black person. (laughs) So I'm, so I'm not, so I'm, I'm a minority in both spaces. So The woman that's in the group is covered on both sides. She's got another woman in the room, although I'm a black woman. She's got another woman in that group with her. She also has another white person in the room. Even though he's a white man, he's still white. So she's got, on both sides of her, the ability to have some relatedness to somebody else in the room. If if we're going to impact, if we're going to connect relatedness to these constructs, gender and race, right? Okay. He, he, he can connect to her because she's white, but he can't connect to her as a white man. And he doesn't have another man in the room. So he's only covered on one side. So you have the woman who's connected, covered on both sides in terms of relatedness. You have the man that's in the room who's covered on one side as it relates to, um, race. He's a white man. He's covered on one side. And then you have me as a black woman and I don't have uh, excuse me, that's not true. I have another woman in the room, but I don't have another black person in the room. So, so we both, so we we all can relate to each other in, in a particular way. But the white woman is the only one who can relate to both of us for different reasons. I don't know if that's confusing. I have that diagrammed in my head right now. So, um, so in this space where we're talking about power and and spirituality and just justice we bring in different perspectives now we have a we all have an appreciation to the power and 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 understanding its role in the social world and we all have a commitment to social justice so that's how we that's how we even we even disagree like we're disagreeing we have times where we disagree in the group but because we all are in agreement around justice we use that area of agreement to help us to navigate the disagreement. And so the disagreement ultimately turns into a place of learning. So we're not, we don't disagree as contest, like authority, like, um, we're, we're disagreeing to see who's going to be right or wrong. We're disagreeing and then we're learning in the process. We're learning and we're calibrating and we're growing in the process. It's a beautiful, it's, I, I really think it's turning into 
excuse me, an, a sacred space. It's just an interesting thing. And yes, we do curse in that group. So I, I, I guess I need to be careful when I say sacred, but it does feel really, um, it feels, if, uh, it feels beautiful. It feels rare. It feels needed. It feels refreshing and all of that. So, so what, one of the things that I'm coming to terms with is here they're both of these individuals are white even though the guy who's jewish you know that's a complication i don't yet fully understand but he has delineated he's delineated between being jewish and white i can't read i can't give that back to you i don't don't have it i'm gonna learn that though he's delineated the two but he also embraces the two as his identity so yeah i don't know that's all i got for you but so I'm in the room with two, let's just say this, I'm in, the, in this group with two whites, both committed to justice, but they're white. That's important because of how the three of us understand whiteness, right? So it's not like they don't understand the, it's not like they don't share the construct of race the way, so let me, let me say it differently. We all share the same con, uh, scope of race. We have the same interpretations around race. So we have that, we are in agreement with that. And because we're in agreement with how race is constructed and how we understand it and what its role is in the social world, when they do something that does not honor that understanding, I lift it up. Like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Something just happened here, right? Something just happened here. This is what I just saw. This is what I just experienced. Can I share this with you? Tell me what you see. That's kind of what we've done. Admittedly, and this is what I don't like, I'm doing that more than they're doing it. That's number one. I'm doing that more than what, than, than what they're doing. And number two, they want me to do it. And I don't want to. Because I don't want to be in that space where I'm the constant antagonist, interrogator, legislator, you know what I mean? Like that's labor for me. And I don't mind laboring a little bit because in my laboring and then their for their growth, I want them to labor for my growth. But what's what can happen is it becomes one directional, one sided, or what I like to say is lopsided. And the woman said earlier in the week, well she said it over the weekend and she had been quiet. And I, this is, I believe this is what's happening. Well, she, I think she said as much um, yesterday or maybe this morning. That's the beautiful thing about a voice community. We can engage at any time and we don't have to engage all at the same time. So that's, I really love this app. Um, she said this a couple of different ways, but the bottom line is I'm trying, I'm going to try to synthesize it. Um, hopefully I can maintain the integrity of what was meant by what, what she meant. As a white woman, and I think both of them would say this as two white people who are committed to justice and committed to justice, being an ally for uh, racial equity and other forms of equity, but let's talk about racial equity, that they want to be in a space where if they step out of line, step out of pocket, they want to be called to the carpet on that because they don't know when they've stepped out of line. I get that. They don't know it. And I think there are many, many 
I'm going to say African-Americans who willfully step into that space. I used to do that. But in my mid-30s, I gave, I retired. I, I specifically said, I will not educate white people on their whiteness or on my blackness. That's what I said. Now, I think I still do it. But when I do it, it's for my benefit. It's, it's something I'm doing for me. Um, but I don't do it. I don't labor. I don't labor. I don't labor for white people. Um, simply for the sake of laboring. I, I, I hope that doesn't sound offensive, but I just don't. Now I have to do it for my job, <laughs> but outside of that, now if I love you and I'm in a loving relationship with you, that's labor of love. And that means I'm, you're going to be laboring for me. This goes to my sister. And the, but that, that is an assumed relationship of reciprocity. So we're doing co-laboring. I don't mind co-laboring with you, but I will not labor in a one, one a lopsided way where I'm serving you. I won't labor for you. And so, and I don't labor for other people. I mean, I've gone to that place in my own healing where I now understand labor and all of that. And my, my experience with trauma put me in a unique relationship with laboring for people. Um, in an unhealthy way. So my healing work says, I don't care if you're black, white, or purple, uh, purple or polka dotted or whatever. I'm not going to labor for you because it's unhealthy. I'm not going to do a one dimensional or a lopsided laboring relationship with you. It's unhealthy. Okay. So, so, but, so I am very nervous about that because, um, and this is, this is a little bit, uh, this is a little bit problematic for me, but just a little bit. Because one of the things I tried to present to them early in the week is that when you are the minority, your orientation, it, it's, it's instructional to be the minority. So whether you're a racial minority, sexual minority, um, gender minority, you know, religious minority, um, it's just good to have that experience. I would encourage all of you to do, to go and put yourself in a situation where you're truly a minority. Um, because it, it gives you an opportunity to develop a different, to, to really strengthen yourself as your, your, your ability to do what's called theory of mind. I talked about that a lot about a year ago. It was a not, it was a sloppy episode. It wasn't one of my better episodes, but if you, but I do describe it in there. So if you can deal with the directionless nature of that episode, I mean, usually when I, I can ramble in and be in direction, in route to somewhere, right? I can ramble in route to, but I tell you that episode, I was like rambling out and I listened to it. I'm like, what the hell are you saying? Where are you going? <laughs> so, but anyway, I talk about the theory of mind. And so when you are in the majority, you can, you end up being, uh, experiencing what's called an echo chamber. We all are thinking alike. So we all think alike. That means this is the, this is the same. No, we, no one, we all think alike. So this must be true. This must be factual. This must be reality. But when you're the minority, you realize, nope, they're not thinking the way I think. They don't see the way I see it. So that means there are different ways of thinking and seeing the world. So 
I think being in the mind, I think I talked about this recently, by the way, I think being the minority gives you a greater capacity to understand theory of mind. And you don't get as caught up in the echo chamber. We still can, and we do, but not it's not across the board. There are pocket. We have pockets of angle, echo chambers, as opposed to a live reality of an where my whole reality is inside of this echo chamber. So, what's happening is because they've not really experienced being a minority. They don't yet. They don't know sometimes when they're speaking out of an echo chamber, and then I have to come back and go, wait a minute. Wait a minute, you just said this. Is this what you mean? It's, you know, and then, and then they, and then we do this work. It is, it's not fun for me. It's not fun because there's this, there's this thing called fragility. There's this thing called guilt. Uh, it's just a lot that has happened, but we've been really working through it. And so, um, I'm proud of us. I'm glad that I'm stomaching those parts for me that are difficult because I am really getting something out of it, especially that conversation around the, the modifiers, the and my. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm getting a lot about learning about the Jewish faith and his talking about Jewish Jesus. I'm really enjoying all of that. So why did I tell you all that? Hold on a second. So in terms of authenticity, so, excuse me, in, in terms of authenticity um, and harmony, one of the, okay, okay, here it is. One of the things I am experience, experiencing is a struggle between that those two concepts, authenticity and harmony. And as an INTJ, as an FI user, you might be surprised that harmony is coming up. And this is something I meant to say earlier when I was talking about the cognitive functions, F-I-F-E. I, I don't, I think I cut myself off. F-I is, is considered authenticity, but I read somewhere that really it is also authenticity for us, but it's an inner authenticity. Excuse me. F-I is also harmony, but it's an inner harmony. That's what authenticity is. I need to be in harmony with myself. So here I am in this group, right? I'm the only black woman in that group. Um, and I'm the only black person in that group, right? So I'm the only black woman. I'm, only, I'm the only black person in a group. And, um, another thing that the guy brought up when he was, we were just talking about our similarities and our differences. And I want to just say this. The two women, myself included, have doctor, uh, doctorates, doctor's degree, doctorate. We both have PhDs. We both we both have doctorates, and he doesn't. And he brought that up, and so that might mean something. I want to delve. I want to. I want to have have him unpack that a little bit because he mentioned that in a way that I was like, oh, that's an interesting noticing. Um, so I felt like that meant something to him, and I wanted to not assume. So anyway. So for me, even though so I'm the only black woman in the room, I'm the only black. Um, it is refreshing to have another person um, with the, you know, that's another PhD holder. That does mean something to me. I didn't back that at another time. But um, I think she has a PhD. You know, now I don't even know if she might have an EDD. And those doctorates are different, right? <laughs> um, but I have found, 
And I'm coming to terms that when I go into certain communities, I am looking for relatedness, connectedness. And that then requires a certain level of harmony. Or maybe I'm making the assumption. I need to really interrogate that for myself. Because I'm I'm thinking I want harmony, even though I didn't say it. But it came up today in our conversation. And I'm concerned if I'm always the one interrogating and pushing them on their whiteness. All that does, while they are enjoying it, and I don't enjoy that because I'm laboring, what is also happening is it's causing a disconnection. It's putting me on the other side. It's a sep- it's separate. It's separating us. And I don't like that. So what I said f- earlier in the week, I said, when I join justice conversations, what I, or what would be considered critical conversations, I'm not going into those critical spaces to be challenged because I'm challenged I think, all the time. I think I said this to you guys in my reflection yesterday. The nature of my body and who I am as a black woman, I am in a critical space all the time. Well, that's not true because other black people can choose to be uncritical. They can choose to be uncritical. So being critical is not automatically associated with my blackness. It definitely is not. It's associated with my unapologetic blackness. I'm unapologetic about it. So, which, the, it boils down to this. There's, unfortunately, whether we like it or not, this is where, I'm assuming that if you guys are listening to me in this podcast, you have an appetite or a tolerance for me talking about racism. I get uncomfortable when I talk about racism Blindly in his face, I can't see your faces. I don't know how this is landing, you know, and I I consider you as part of my community, even though I don't know you. (laughs) Only a few of you have presented yourselves to me, but I still consider you as part of my community. When we start using the word racism, it's loaded. It is, it is charged. It has been weaponized. It is just not a fun word. And so I don't often bring that into this space. And And when I do bring it in space, I like to just read the room and usually I'm doing some form of leadership. I feel responsible in how I handle that word. So, but, um, because of racism, I experience conflict. It has nothing to do with my character. It has everything to do with the color of my skin. Um, and the schemas that are associated and the, the, the narratives that have been associated with the color of my skin, with other people with who have the color of my skin. So I don't need to go into a community to have that friction. What they are enjoying is they need the friction. It's part of growth. Cognitive dissonance, cognitive discord, right? It's part of the growing process. But thank you, America. I get that discord all the time. I don't need to go to a group to get it. I just live it. It's part of my lived reality. So it's like playing a video game where you get to shoot people, right? You have to go to a video game to do that. I don't know if that's the best metaphor. That's a horrible metaphor. Just delete that. I'm, I, if I was editing this project, I would edit that out. This is just a, just a, 
Uh, I think that was just a careless metaphor. I'm really a little disappointed in myself. But anyway, just because of stuff that's happening in the news right now. Um, but the, the point is, you can, if your life, the world is, and I, we talked about this, the world creates structures around you to keep you comfortable so that even when you have a moment of discomfort, a moment of pain, a moment of struggle, it is momentary for the most part because the way the these isms, the way the matrix is set up is that it's like a rubber man. You're going to bounce back to being comfortable because of the constructs associated with your body um, across time, all right? So, yeah, I can see you needing to walk into friction. And I'm trying to walk into harmony. I'm trying to walk into harmony. And they are walking into friction. We both need it. We need harmony and friction for growth. And when I'm saying harmony, I'm saying not just a feeling of harmony, but intellectual harmony as well. So in learning sciences, when you're trying to teach a student a new concept, you have to do what's called activating prior knowledge. Or what's, it's also looked at it as a zone of proximal development. When I'm teaching a student a new concept, I have to put that new concept within the realm of familiarity because they have to take what they know to use to learn something that they don't know. I can't give them information that's completely foreign to them. And they can't find a way of relating to it. It makes it very difficult to have what's called deep knowing, deep storage, and then deep pathways for retrieval and application. All right. I want to get into work. This is not my work podcast, but that's my point. So harmony um, is, in my opinion, necessary when you're growing because there's got to be something familiar. There's got to be a level of connectedness. I don't know if I, I don't know if that's a, the perfect parallel between learn what I just said about learning sciences, um, but it can't be all of a struggle. I'm getting the struggle part in the in the world. I'm going into these communities, these particular communities, to be with other critical people. You may say I'm a critical race feminist, right? To be with other people who understand tenets of critical theory. And, and I need to be in community with them because most people aren't critical theorists. They're definitely not critical feminists. But these people definitely subscribe to critical race theory. In this group, they're both white, but they still subscribe to critical race theory. I don't get that. And so I'm looking for that relatedness. I'm looking for apt to being affirmed. I'm looking to be restored because I'm in a world where I'm being, I'm experiencing friction, 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 right? So anyway, the question that has come up, how are we going to do this harmony and authenticity, right? So they have to authentically be themselves in whatever, you know, in their relationship to whiteness. 
I have to be my authentic self in relation to whiteness. And in that authenticity, are we going to have harmony? And what is harmony? So for them, harmony is in the friction because they get to grow. That feels good for them. That's not what it is for me. So that's just why how that came up. And so let me just tell you this last story and then I'll close with my sister. <laughs> so this is the third thing that came up around authenticity and harmony. My sister came over last night, my half-sister. And she got here at about 10 o'clock. And um, she was two sheets to the wind. And um, I I don't want to experience her like that. I don't mind having drinks, right? And I, I don't mind getting tipsy. I don't mind any of that. But she was, um, she was, she was, it was, she looked like it's at the end of the night. Like, you know, so if you have somebody, you have like, oh, we just, we partied a little too hard. We indulged a little too much. And that's how she came to me. I have to be sensitive with her because we had a big disagreement once when I, um, I think I told you guys this when my father passed and we were grieving at my house and, um, We decided because of one of my, one of my cousins was coming over and he's explosive sober. He's explosive sober. So we were like, nope, we're going to make this house dry. We put everything, all the wine away and we, we dedicated the house and said it was dry, no alcohol. Well, my sister came in and she was really upset about that. And so in her defiance, what she did is then she went and got, alcohol and then sat on my porch and she drank and then when I questioned her about it her retort was well you said no no drinking in your house I'm not in your house oh my god and then I had to tilt my head and I looked at her and I said really you don't understand the spirit of my request number one you can't you don't know intellectually you couldn't comprehend that and number two you're not supporting me in my house. And I said, what would happen if I, if I went to your house and you, and she cut me off, I would never, I would never uh, give you, uh, come up with a regulation like that, which is not true because she just told me a story about how she, her friends came over and she kind of gave her friends some rules of engagement in her house and her friends didn't want to follow those rules. And then she, I was like, and then she was like, oh, I get it now. And she circled it back to when we had this disagreement. So it's it's explosive. I mean, it's just a difficult situation. But we, so she, so now she's coming into my house smoking. I don't smoke. And everybody that I know who smokes, anytime they come into your house, they'll go, do you mind? Or they, most people just assume that they can't smoke in someone else's house. And they go out on the porch or they go outside. Nope, she didn't do that, and she didn't ask. So the she she was over here. Um, they, she was in my house a month ago, month ago, and um, and I just didn't. I just let it go. When she came over my house last night, she did say, "No, no, no, no." I said, "You you don't ask if you can smoke in somebody's house." That's what I said to her. I said, "You don't ask if you can smoke in somebody's house." Well, you don't want me smoking in your house? No. Oh, well, you just say that. Oh, boy. <laughs> so 
So one of the things I've been processing processing today, because it's one conflict after another with her, that she needs the conflict from me. See, she needs it from me. I'm very close here. I'm having a, I'm having a, it's getting, there's a breakthrough that's, that's happening right now for me in my head. For me, I don't know what's going to happen for you, but it's for me. I remember a friend of mine told me about mm, almost 10 years ago, maybe 10 years ago. I can't believe it's been 10 years. Oh my God. I can't believe it's been 10 years. She said, and I think I'm, she called me an agitator. She said, you're an agitator. And I didn't like that. I didn't like her calling me an agitator. She's like, no, no, this is good. It's good. You can't put clothes in a washing machine. You can put, if you put clothes in a washing machine, you can have the soap and the water, but those clothes will not get clean if you don't have a device that's going to shake that water up and the clothes around. You need an agitator. And that's what you do. And that's what people, that's what I love about coming to you. And I'm just going to derail for a second. I hope I don't fall into a rabbit hole. But I've been wanting to, to um, ask this question to you all. And I actually have been thinking about going to the husband and wife team and asking them this question. Because I, they did an episode about finding people who like you to INTJs. Finding people who like the INTJs. And I've been wondering, what is it that people like about INTJs? You know, what is it that would draw friends to you? And so, unfortunately, this is what I get on my end. I don't know what if you're listening to me and you're an INTJ. I don't know what you get. But I have found that when people are drawn to me, they are drawn to the, at the agitation part. But what I don't like about it is that I don't want to be in, I don't, you know, when I talk about it being lopsided, I don't want that. I don't, let me see it. I don't need to be agitated. That's not what I need. I don't need, I get that organically from the world. I don't need a synthesized agitator. I get it organically, naturally from the world. What I don't get is affirmation. I don't get, I don't get understanding. Um, and I'm sitting here pausing right now because I'm like, do I need it? Well, I don't, I really don't think I need, I go to the world without it. I'm not falling apart. I don't fall apart without it. But I don't need to go into another space in the absence of it. Or let me put it differently. This is what it is. I don't need it in a general sense, but if we're going to have any kind of intimate relationship, that's not sexual, intimate, intellectual. If okay, here it is. I'm, I'm not in intimacy. You you become vulnerable. I'm not going to give you my vulnerability in a space where all you know how to do is be an agitator. That's not what I'm going to do. Now, if you need that from me, that's on you. But chances are you're getting aff- affirmed and understanding and support somewhere else. But no one is able to shake you up a little bit so then you come to me because I can do that and then that that creates the timber of the relationship and I don't like I mean it's not enough for me it's not enough for me to be in an intimate space with you 
and this is the thing with both of the with the with the group that I'm in and with my sister I'm it just occurred to me I don't know why it just occurred to me maybe maybe I just maybe I knew this all along and I just forgot it my sister and I'm talking about my youngest my half sister she wants the conflict with me because it does something for her. And I told you this before, I told you about when, when she, when my sister came to town in April, cause my, my middle sister, I hate calling her that, my double sister came to town in April and then in May, um, in April for my birthday and then in May for the funeral of my dad's sister, my aunt. And, um, we ran into my single sister um, out about when she when we were out celebrating my birthday, and um, because I'm not in relationship with her, so I didn't I wasn't going to spend my birthday with her. But the universe set it up. <laughs> I guess my dad set it up or whatever. I don't know. We ran into her. It was ironic for us to run into her on an, as we we're celebrating my birthday. So I'm not cruel. Fine. She was uncomfortable because she didn't get invited. And then her feelings were hurt. And I get that. But when she's with me, she's not trying. She doesn't know another way to relate to me. And so what she said that night was there was a game in that we're in a bar. There was a game. And she specifically said she wanted to play me. Because she wanted to beat me because I'm smart. And then my, I looked at her and my sister, my sister and I, my double sister and I looked at each other like, that's a weird thing to say. And then my double sister said, I'm smart too. So what does that mean? That you, what does that mean? We're, my sister is also, she's smart. Why do you need to do that with me though? Because I think that my single sister chooses to do more harmony work with my, 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 my double sister. She does, she goes to my double sister for harmony. She comes to me for conflict. She comes to me for that because that's doing something for her. It does nothing for me. So I find myself moving further and further away from that relationship. And then she asks me, she feels that I, I'm moving away from her because I don't want to acknowledge her as my sister. That's not it. I don't want to do conflict like this. That's all you know how to do. And I can see if I have a conversation with her, what she's going to say is, I don't see it as conflict. I, uh, good grief. And I think she, I think it's a contest though. I don't even think it's conflict for growth for her. Like with my two new friends in this voice community. I think it is a contest for her identity. It's, she needs to esteem herself. And there's a part of me that wondered, because I woke up thinking about this because she was over my house last night. And you guys have heard me say I was done with her. I said for a while I was because I, I I was so bothered by how things went down with my father's. Um, his uh, what do you call it? His uh, his remains, his remains, his estate. Yeah, his estate. And how all of that. I was just so done. Like, I don't have time for this. But one of the things I'm realizing is that my double sister wants to have this 
relationship with all her siblings. And my dad had four kids. So my double sister and I grew up, it was just the two of us. But there's actually four of us by way of my father. And my double sister wants all of us to have a relationship. Well, I don't want there to be a strain on my double sister. So I'm trying to find a way to have that relationship with her, with my, my single sister. And what's all ironic is that we, we've had a decent relationship. We, it, it's just gotten worse. It's gotten worse. In my opinion, in my opinion, seeing the pattern, it gets worse when my double sister is in the mix. Um, so as their relationship gets stronger, the conflict between my seat, between my single sister and I, or me, I, I, grammatically, I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. I can't be grammatically grammatical right now. Um, it's just, it gets worse. So anyway, um, so I, I don't know what to take away because I'm wrapped. It's over an hour and I'm, I'm ready to wrap up. I, can you hear my energy? I feel low because I, I don't know what I'm going to do with that situation. I genuinely don't know what I'm going to do with it. I don't, I don't need the conflict from her like that. And this conflict, because it's a contest, she needs, she wants to be superior, dominant, and not dominate. And there was something that happened when we, we went out in May that I, w- I wondered, but I didn't have enough evidence data to lock it in. But based on something she did last night, I do, I, my curiosity has increased. I'm a karaoke singer. There was some, there was a, a reflection I wanted to do with you guys. And it was based on a song. And I was like, I wanted to do, I have the courage to sing on the podcast, right? I never have told you guys I'm a real singer. <laughs> I'm a karaoke singer. And that what I love about it is that it, I can do, I can be decent one day and I can be horrible the next day. But I never have said I'm like amazing. I'm an amazing singer. I do think I'm working on being a, a pretty good performer. I'm, I'm learning that, right? So performing and performing well and singing well are two different things. So my single sister knows me in a more subdued way, a more reserved way, a more repressed way. Because that's how I experience her, right? And most people experience me as reserved. So I went to a, um, I guess a dinner, I don't know. A, I don't know if it was a dinner party. We didn't have dinner, but I hung out with two coworkers yesterday, earlier yesterday. We hung out and I've had a relation, growing relationship with them individually. But when the two of them were, when all three of us were together, I became more reserved. So one of the ladies left and then the lady that was, that remained, she said, you were more, you were more quiet when all three of us were present. I said, well, that's usually what I do. But in a one-on-one space, I can open up and become lively. I don't usually enjoy doing that in a group setting. I don't enjoy it. It's labor for me. So I sit back and I, I take it in and I observe and I'm thinking and I, I might comment by asking a question. I laugh. I, I'll make a small comment, but I rarely take lead in a conversation when there's a group. And that's, 
that's an interesting thing. I'd love to process that at some point. But anywho, um, so people experience me in a group setting as reserved. So my sister um, has experienced, my single sister, my half-sister, has experienced me in that way. Now, now she's coming around and seeing me in my space. So when my, uh, so now I'm back in the house where I'm having people over. My And the only reason why my single sister is here for that is because my double sister is here. So I never kept my, my the double sister away from my friends. And there's a, there's a running joke about that. I used to be so annoyed when I was, when we were younger, because I was like, why mom, why does she always have to be with my friends? <laughs> Cause I had to watch my sister. So my, I'm sorry, I'm saying sister, double sister, single sister. I hope you're following this story. So my double, my single sister, and she's now experiencing me in my house with my friends. And she's seeing something different. She's seeing a different side of me. I'm still, I'm still reserved, letting, not leading in the conversation. But I don't even think she thought I had friends. Like she has judged me as being this very difficult person. Kind of like in the category with my father, because I have some of my father's characteristics. But it doesn't mean I don't have active friendships. So now she's seeing me in a karaoke spaces. And because I am a karaoke junkie, I can pretty much, for the most part, I can go to any karaoke venue in the city and I'm going to run into somebody who knows me as this karaoke singer, <laughs> whatever, you know, like a little bit of fame. So that's that. And I saw that. And all of a sudden I heard her saying, that's my sister. That's my sister. And you know, it, okay. And then when I did this performance and I had the crowd going, right? Because now it took me, I've been doing karaoke for 11 years now. Uh, it's just taken me a long time. I'm just now becoming comfortable in my body to quote unquote perform. Like it's taken me 11 years to do this. So I'm doing that. And you can see her like really, it seems from the outside, it looks like she's processing that. And I think that there's an element of competition because my sister is a born performer. She, she's a, she's a music artist and she's amazing at it. I think she's even done some comedy. So getting on that stage, performing and having the light, that's her thing. So to be in a room where we're doing karaoke and I'm getting that attention, I don't think that, I don't think that went over too well. But that's a hunch. I'm pretty sure she would go, that's not true. But I'm just wondering what the contest is. There's a contest that's happening. It's not just for the, the conflict that she wants the, 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 um, she wants me to do that. It's, I don't think it's just that she wants conflict. I think it's a contest for her for whatever reason. So anyway, I'm going to wrap it up now. Oh, my goodness gracious. I've been wanting to process that. So, um, that, that happened last night. I've been thinking about it today. So thank you for giving me a space to do that. Um, but all of that makes me just wonder about harmony and authenticity because as an authenticity, as an authenticity person, I'm, I, authenticity is never an option for me, particularly as it relates to, no, it's never an option. 
It's never an option for me. It's never, excuse me, it's never a question. It's not a question. Harmony, though, is one. Harmony is not a given for me. Authenticity first. And then this external harmony in very select groups in which I'm trying to do intimacy with. And I don't get it. It's not that I don't get it intellectually. I don't get it as an experience. And then what happens is that I pull out of those experiences where I can't be authentic. Like if my authenticity has to be, has to generate conflict, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to do intimacy with you like that. But I used to do it all the time because of my experiences with trauma. That was what I thought love was. I am at a place where love is not conflict. Now, do you have conflict every once in a while? Absolutely. But the nature of our loveship is not going to be conflict-driven. It's not going to be conflict-laden. It's just not for me. That's my healing work. So as I become unwilling to do conflict in relationships, it's making me question what is it that I'm looking for in those relationships? And I have to question myself. I just found myself going, huh, you want harmony. But I want harmony based on authenticity. And I don't think that that's what extroverted feeling is about. I don't think FE users are doing harmony based on authenticity. I think they're doing harmony for the sake of other people how they feel. But that makes them feel good. But that's not about being authentic, which is why FI users usually consider FE users as being fake or duplicitous or manipulative. Not that that's true, but that's how we, because we, we, we see the authenticity gap, if you will. So anyway, that's interesting. So anyway, that's what I got for you. All right. All right. I don't know what that's going to mean for me um, other than it's just an interesting consideration. My desire for harmony in tandem with authenticity and wanting intimacy that's housed in both of those, I'm going to say, considerations. I want to be able to be authentic and I don't want it to be a conflict-driven space. I just don't. So now I got to figure out, are there people, I got to figure out, are there going to be people who can give that to me? Because as an INTJ, they may be experiencing me a certain way. This is going to have to be a part two where I talk about how do people, you know, if I want harmony, can I give that off? Mm -mm, I don't even want to, nope, I don't want to perform harmony. I'm not going to perform it. I want harmony based on my authenticity. But if in my authenticity, if it creates conflict, am I doomed? That's got to be a part two. I got to, I got to chew on that. I don't even know how to talk that through, but that's the question I'm going to end with myself. If this reflection has had any value for you, you guys, please give it a heart. If this conversation about harmony and authenticity and siblings, uh, and, uh, I talked about sisters and um, 
around race and gender, critical theory, growth, learning sciences. I'm trying to think of the things I've mentioned. Um, if any of that relates to a conversation you've had in the world, please share this reflection with them. Take this link and share it. Do a meaningful share, which means don't tell them, oh, here's a, uh, in this reflection, she talks about learning sciences and then, and have them listen to the whole reflection because I only talked about learning sciences for maybe what, two, three minutes. So take, you know, please, please kind of direct them to what part of the reflection they should listen to. All right. But, you know, I would appreciate you taking that, doing that labor for me, a labor of love and speaking of labor. Um, and if my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, please find a way to share that with me. You can find me on my website at youranidom.wordpress.com. On Twitter, you're NIDOM1, Facebook, and YouTube, you're NIDOM. Let me give you your assignment. I'm going to keep it simple. Um, what is your relationship with authenticity and harmony as separate concepts? It's a two-parter. I guess it's not going to be that simple. You know, when you think about what is your relationship with both of those concepts as separate concepts, and then what is your relationship about them as conjoined concepts together. And I would imagine, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm assuming that bringing them together would be specific to a particular type of environment or a particular type of event, but maybe not. So how, what is your relationship to those concepts as separate? And what is your relationship to them as conjoined, as together? Yep. Does that make sense? Okay. Hope it does. <laughs> All right, you guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.